Well, welcome. I think you can hear me now. I'm excited that you guys are joining us here today. Sometimes we have technical difficulties, and sometimes we just have difficulties with the person running the technology. So I apologize. I didn't have my mic on and going uh, during there. Uh, and for those of you online who were just watching me parrot, I'm, I'm sure you were still engaged and still praying with us as we were uh, going through that time of offering. But uh, we are excited you're here, whether you're here in person, whether you're joining us online, we're excited for all that God has in store for us. Uh, we are in a series uh, starting today, looking at 21 days of hope. And obviously, with that in mind, thinking forward to Easter and what God has in store for our lives and what God has in store for our church during this season where the world, for a moment, pauses and thinks about Jesus. I mean, this is one of those times where as a community and as a church, we have opportunity to be inviting people into the hope that we have. And so I, I'm, I'm praying that all of you are taking advantage of that. All of you are looking for ways to let your hope shine, to let your hope be evident to the world around us. And so uh, we're excited that you're a part of that. As we're Thinking about that, um, one thing that I want to encourage you to do is, if you haven't done this already, I want you to go ahead and text that word uh, RIVER to 715-953-4060. Uh, that way you can be making sure you're getting all the important information. Um, as Mark said, we've got two services, two live services um, here on Sunday on Easter. And so I uh, want to make sure that you know about all the other good stuff that's going to be happening uh, throughout the week and leading up to Easter. So make sure you get connected. Make sure you fill out that card. Let us know you're here. And we will make sure you know about the latest news. But as I think forward to Easter I just have to ask you, how many of you are excited about the future? Okay, we, we got a few people excited. How many of you are a little bit nervous about the future? Okay, a few hands, a few honest people. I, honestly, I, I don't know if we have faced a time, at least in my recollection, and I, I know I'm a really young guy, and so like my, my memory's probably not that long, but, but in my short life here on earth, I, I can't remember a time where there seems to be so many people who are just uncertain about the future. There, there's, a, there's an anxiety. I just was looking at a New York Times article uh, this week looking at just the anxiety that people are having that as everything is opening up, as states are starting to uh, allow more freedoms and you know, there, there's a little less restrictions on different things, that's... It's great for some people, but there's other people that there's just a little bit of fear and a little bit of trepidation. And then there's always one of our favorite topics around here, politics, right? Everyone loves talking about politics, you know, and there's all sorts of different people who are fearful of what is, what is the political landscape look like in the future? And is America still America? And, and all of these, these questions and concerns, we, 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 we've got... We've got a lot of people who are just uncertain of what the future holds. And the truth is, throughout history, there's always been some uncertainty. As much as we want to plan for and prepare for the future, we, we don't have any certainties of what tomorrow is going to look like. But one of the things that I hope 
you have realized is that even when life seems uncertain, we have a certain hope. We, we have a hope in a future because we have a God who holds the future in his hands. That as chaotic as tomorrow may look, as uncertain as the future may appear, we have a God who has already told us how it all ends. And we can have a confidence going forward into the days ahead that we can have a hope that should be attractive. We have a hope that should be able to pull people in and have people questioning, what is different about you? I mean, Peter, in one of the letters he wrote to the churches, he told people that we should be ready to explain the hope that we have. And my prayer is that you are people who have that kind of hope that people would be asking about. And so with that said, um, we are today going to be looking at future hope. We're going to be looking at what it means to have hope for the future, what it means to be having a sense that we are going to be okay in the midst of the things that are going on around us, and that we could even have some joy and some, some peace and some assurance in the middle of all of this. And so I'm going to read to you a passage that may not sound that hopeful at first, so please hold on. There, there's hope coming. You know, again, we're talking about future hope, right? And so trust me that by the end of this sermon, you're going to be hopefully walking out of here with some excitement about what God has to say about the future. But these first couple of verses are going to look a little bit menacing. I'll, I'll, just, I'll throw that out there. But we trust that God is doing something in, this, in these scriptures and in our lives. And so with that, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Today we are going to be looking at the words of Jesus that were recorded for us in Mark chapter 13. And we will be reading uh, verses 5 through 10. This is a passage in Mark that Jesus is specifically telling his disciples, this is what the future is going to look like. And so, beginning reading in verse 5, it reads, Jesus replied, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. But these are only the first of the birth pains, and more to come. When these things begin to happen, watch out, for you will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news must first be preached to all the nations. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that in the midst of the chaos around us, we do have hope. We do recognize that you are in control. And as we prepare our hearts for Easter, and as the world around us takes a moment to consider the cross, 
I pray that our hope would be the kind that sparks other people to ask us about our hope and that we would be ready to give an answer of why. Why do we have this confidence in our future? Speak to us, Holy Spirit, I pray. Illuminate your word. Help us to understand in a fuller way what it is to trust in you. We love you so much, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave at a few people, let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them this morning. If you're online, wave at us, let us know you're with us today and excited about what God has in store, that you're hopeful for the future. Well, as I look at this passage, there's three things that I see that we can do. That if you want to have hope, if you're one of those people who might be a little bit anxious about what you're seeing happen in the world around us, if you're one of those people who are a little intimidated by what the future might look like for you personally or for us as a nation or around the globe, I think there's three things that we can do with this passage that will help us be better prepared to be ambassadors of hope. So the first thing that I want you to see that you can do this morning, if you want to have a greater sense of hope in your life, is that we can listen. We can listen. Jesus gave this dialogue, and again, remember, a lot of this was kind of dark, right? He's talking about wars and rumors of wars and and famines and earthquakes and pestilences and plagues and COVID-19. I think there's COVID-19 in there somewhere. But but, but there's all this stuff talking about all these terrible things are going to happen. But he's telling us that so that we understand he saw it coming from the beginning. And he has something in store for us. In in verse 5, Jesus simply says, Don't let anyone mislead you. In other words, we need to be listening to what he is saying and not listening to what other people are saying. That there's going to be, throughout history, people who will rise up and say, I've got the answer. I'm the Messiah. I've I've got all of this figured out. Or they're going to tell you, this is the way it's going to work, or that's the way it's going to work. And we have to be careful. Because some of them will sound convincing. And some of them might even throw enough Bible in there to make it confusing. But Jesus warned us to listen to Him. We can listen to what He has already told us. That we don't allow ourselves to be misled. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit in us if we call upon the name of Christ. And we can trust that that same Holy Spirit that inspired God's Word, that same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus Christ, working through Him, is available to us. And I believe that Holy Spirit will give evidence to what is truth and will help us to understand what is false. So we need to make sure we're listening. We're listening to the Spirit. We're we're taking time. We're spending time in God's Word. We're listening to what we've already been told. And we're not being drawn astray by new philosophies or new doctrines 
but that we're, we're staying true to what God has already told us. If we want hope for the future, we have to listen to what we've been told. I mean, in verse 7, we, we should get some comfort from what Jesus is saying here. You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. He's saying, you're going to go through some difficult times. You know, one of the promises that we have in God's word is that we will face trouble. But he's saying, don't panic because I've overcome the world. If you're here or you're watching online and, and you are fearful for the future, I want to encourage you, listen to what Jesus says. Don't panic. Trust that he is working something out. And, and I know, I realize, sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes the things that we're losing feel like that could never be anything within the plan of God. But know that God is weaving something in. That there, there, that there is this sense that, that I have that God is a master storyteller. And as much as we want to live this comfortable Christian life, and, and as much as a lot of Christianity out there tries to teach a comfortable Christian life where everything's going to be perfect and just trust in Jesus and everything's going to be fine and you're going to have all of your needs met and you're never going to be in want and everything's always going to be perfect. Jesus said, that's not the way it's going to work. You're going to go through difficult times because I want your life to mean something. I want your life to have a hope that shows the world you're going through the same things they are. But yet, we don't walk through it as though we're crushed or persecuted or destroyed. We're walking through it with hope. And so let's listen to what Jesus is telling us to do. Let's listen to his call not to panic, not to be misled, but to trust God is doing something amazing in the midst of our difficulties, that there's a future he is trying to accomplish in us. The other thing I see that we need to be doing is that we can love. That in the middle of our difficult seasons, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of whatever you're walking through right now, you can choose to love. I mean, obviously you have a choice. You don't have to love. You can, you can take what you're going through as a legitimate excuse to become bitter and withdrawn. You can, you can be walking through something difficult and, and most people will give you the space and give you the right to say, you know what, you're going through something really hard. Why, why don't you just pull back? And, and hear me, sometimes we do need that. But the problem is we often get stuck in that mode of, well, that person hurt me like that and so I'm never going to love again. Or that thing happened to me and so I'm never going to love again. Or... Oh, you fill in the blank. You can walk through something and it becomes crippling. And we just, we, we pull back and we say, I'm never going to love. I'm not, I'm not going to put myself out there any longer. But Jesus tells us about these trials because he wants us to understand in the middle of our trials, that becomes an opportunity. In verse 9, he tells us, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. 
He's saying, these difficult things you're going to walk through, they're actually going to open up doors of testimony. These difficult times you find yourself in the middle of might just be God preparing you to have an audience who needs to hear about the truth. We can look through the New Testament, the lives of the apostles. We can look at the history we have of the men who followed Jesus, and we can see this very thing happened. Many of them were brought before evil kings. Many of them were brought into difficult circumstances, and their faith became a testimony. We don't have a lot of records of many of those kings turning their ways, but we do have lots of testimonies of the torturers and the executioners and the people who were forced to come against the early church, turning and accepting Christ. You don't know what your pain is producing for other people. You don't know what platform is being created by the difficult circumstances you are walking through right now. And so you have a choice. If you want hope for the future, you can choose to love. You can choose to say, I'm going to love in the midst of my pain. I'm going to love in the midst of the difficult things. I'm going to look for opportunities to serve. I'm going to look for opportunities to give my life away. And I'll throw this out as a challenge to you. I mean, we're we're in a 21-day challenge of hope. If you start loving, if you start giving life away, even when it's hard, hope just kind of finds a way of bubbling up. Hope kind of finds a way of of bursting out at the most unexpected places, unexpected times. There's something about love that when we give it away, it can't stay away. It starts getting dumped back on us in all sorts of crazy ways. I hope you've experienced that. I hope that is something that you have seen, that as as you've given away love, it pours back. And so, We can choose in this time of uncertainty to love. We can love. And the last thing that I see here in this passage is that even when we're going through difficult times, even when it feels like the world is coming crashing down on us, we can lead. We can be people who lead the charge, who say, I'm not going to let life happen to me. I'm going to happen to life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the things I'm going through and I'm going to use them as a platform. I'm going to use them as an opportunity to lead others and to lead myself and to, and to choose to encourage myself. I mean, there's a story in the Old Testament about David. And at one point, he had just won this victory, but he comes home to find his entire village that they were living in burned to the ground and all of their women and children were carried off and his own men were so upset that they were about to kill him. Like they they were talking about killing David, the most famous king in all of Israel. And David obviously was going through something really hard at that moment. But the Bible says that David encouraged himself. There was nothing encouraging about the situation. There's nothing great about what was going on. But it says David encouraged himself. 
So we can choose to lead in this area. We can choose to lead in hope. Jesus is telling them about these difficult times because he was expecting them to lead with the good news. In verse 10, he says, For the good news must first be preached to all the nations. All of these terrible things are going to happen because the good news has to be preached to all the nations. I've been challenging some of my leaders recently with this simple question. What is good news? If someone were to come up to you and tell you, I've heard that you are a Christian. And I've heard people talk about good news. What does that mean? What does it mean to have good news? I want you to sit in there for a second and think about that. What would be your response? How would you respond to the question, what is good news? And I think another thing that we need to be questioning as we're answering that question for ourselves is what would good news be for our neighbor? Because sometimes what we think is good news is not necessarily good news for the person next to us. And so as Christians, as we go out proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ, we need to be making sure that we ask that question. I was asking this to a bunch of college students. What is good news? And, and one of the, actually Kevin, the crew leader that we're praying for this week, he turned to one of the college students and he says, what's good news to you guys? And one of them simply said, good news for me is knowing where my next meal is coming from. It's like, at that point, sharing a four-point gospel presentation was not what that person needed. They needed to understand that there's an abundance in the Christian life, that there are people who are willing to love on that person so that they could have fullness before they could have the truth of the gospel. And so we have to be careful that when we talk about good news, we're not inviting people into something that isn't really good news for them. But we can lead. We can choose to say, I'm going to help people understand what good news is in their culture, in their context, in their place. For, for some of you, you know, you're stout students, and good news for a stout student is going to be different from those of you who are working in corporate America. And it's going to be different for those of you in your neighborhoods. Good news is going to look different, but it all is wrapped in who Jesus is. And so we have to take the lead and say, I'm going to find out how to clearly communicate good news to the people around me. And one of the things we see in this passage, if you keep reading through Mark 13, that one of the ways that Jesus tried to help people understood what good news was, was that they were being invited into a kingdom. That they weren't just being asked to say a prayer so that they would go and be with Jesus someday in heaven. I mean, that is good news, right? But he was also inviting them in to say, I'm inviting you into a kingdom here and now. I'm inviting you to be a part of something that I'm doing here on the earth that will translate when you get to heaven, but it's a full, abundant life that you can experience right now 
And so as you keep reading through Mark 13, we see that Jesus begins to point their, their focus toward what was coming next. And it's something that in our church we call the blessed hope or the second coming of Jesus Christ. As I was preparing for this message and as I was studying, I found out that this is one of the most important doctrines in the New Testament. Like, we often hear about Easter, we often hear about Christmas, but we don't, I feel, get enough teaching about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And yet, when you look at the New Testament, one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament talks about either the rapture of the church or the second coming or what it will look like when Jesus returns. That's a big chunk of the New Testament. You find it all throughout in the teachings of Jesus, in the teachings of Peter, in the teachings of Paul, in the teachings of John that we find in the New Testament, in the teachings of Luke. It's all throughout there. They, they were expecting Jesus to come back in their lifetime. And I feel like we have started to just get convinced it's been 2,000 years. It's not happening anytime soon. And so when we talk about good news, often we just talk about how do we get you into heaven rather than helping people to live differently now. One of the old English pastors that I was studying as I was looking at this had this great phrase, and I had to kind of tweak it a little bit for modern language, but basically the essence of what he was saying was this. Early Christians were not as concerned with the grave splitting the ground as they were with glory splitting the sky. They weren't wondering what's going to happen to me when I die. They were more concerned with what am I doing for Christ right now? Because any day, those clouds are going to break apart. And Christ will come out. The trumpet will sound. And those who are dead in Christ will rise up, and those who are alive in Christ will be caught up with Him. And when you look at the way the New Testament followers led, they led from this perspective, that Jesus Christ is coming again. As a matter of fact, Jesus wanted to make sure we understood. And so He gave this illustration we look at verses 34 through 37 of Mark 13. Jesus says, The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do and held the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch. For you do not know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Now, if you grew up in church in the 80s and 90s, this is probably one of the most terrifying verses that... You've heard because 
You know, I don't know how many of you watched the Thief in the Night video, but I mean, the, after that video, people were terrified. Like if they walked out into a house where other Christians were supposed to be and everyone was gone, ah, I missed it. I missed the rapture. And, and, and that was like a big concern. Everyone was afraid. I'm going to miss the rapture. And so like a verse like this was terrifying to them. Watch out. You, you don't want to be caught sleeping. You don't want to be caught doing the wrong thing because, man, you're not going to make it. Like, I, I, can, I can remember this. At Bible college, one of our professors brought this painting that was drawn of the rapture. And it was interesting because all throughout the painting, there were, there were people going up from different locations, being raptured up. You saw a few churches, and you saw people being raptured from the churches. Interestingly, though, this is kind of an old-school Pentecostal pastor, and the movie house, no one was being raptured, because obviously you, you knew if you were at a movie theater when Jesus came, you weren't going to make it. You know, the, there was something about movie, so I mean, something about movie theater ceilings, you just, you couldn't get through. I don't know what it was, but, but, but there was this fear that if you were doing the wrong thing when Jesus came back, you weren't going to make it. I want us to read these verses a little differently. Rather than being afraid that we're going to miss the second coming, rather than being afraid that we're going to be caught sleeping, let's realize what Jesus was saying. He's saying, this is your opportunity. You get to lead. You get to prepare your hearts in such a way that you can be doing the Master's work when He comes back. It wasn't a sense that, oh, you better be good. It wasn't like a Santa Claus, you know, he's making a list, he's checking it twice kind of thing. This was, this day is coming. Let's be prepared for it. Let's live in anticipation of it. Let's have hope-filled lives that speak to the world around, that whatever he has told us to do, we're faithful in doing it because we're excited that the master is coming back. It shouldn't be a fear that the master is going to find us doing things we oughtn't do. It should be like my children have when I go away on a trip and I come back. The excitement of anticipating dad's coming home. We should have that same level of excitement. Jesus is coming for me. Jesus is coming to bring me home. And I believe if we have that kind of hope, it changes the way we do our everyday lives. It changes the way we interact with our family. It changes the way we interact at school. It changes the way we interact at the workplace. We should have a hope that is bubbling out of us because we're looking forward to the fact Jesus is coming back. I mean, we, we should, I mean I, I'm not saying we should be annoying, but we should almost be like those annoying people. Like, have you heard? Have you heard? Jesus is coming back. Have you heard? Have you heard? He, he's coming again. And, and I, I realize I, I don't want to be one of those people who pins a Date on the wall, he's coming back on June 23rd and you better get your act together or else. I mean, that wasn't the point. Read through the rest of the passage. It wasn't the point that he was trying to pick a date or a time. It's that he was desiring the people who would call upon his name 
to be faithfully leading others in hope. Faithfully doing what He has called them to do. And what have you been called to do? You're going to have to answer that for yourself, but I guarantee part of it is this. You are supposed to be leading others to Jesus. You are supposed to be leading others to that hope. You are supposed to be discipling others in the hope that you have. And if you don't live any differently, it's hard for them to be excited about it. I want to encourage you over the next 14 days as we continue this 21 days of hope, that you ask God, let my hope be evident. Help me to find ways to let what is going on in my heart spark into other people's lives and that that hope would come out to the world around us. I like what Oswald J. Smith had to say about the second coming. He said, we talk of the second coming, but half the world has never heard of the first. That's why Jesus said, watch. Watch and be faithful. Watch and do what I've asked you to do because I am coming. And I'm not as concerned that you're doing the wrong thing as much as you are being a watchman on the wall, letting others know I'm coming back, letting others know the hour is near, letting people know today is the day of salvation. And I'm not just inviting you into a future hope that is about what happens when we get to heaven. I'm, asking, I'm inviting you into a future hope that talks about how we get to live differently while we wait. And so I want to encourage you, be someone over the next few weeks, actually be someone throughout your whole lifetime, but especially as we prepare for Easter, be someone who spreads some hope. As I said, many of you may already know this, we are in the middle of a a 21-day challenge that we are challenging you to be people of hope. And so today is technically day seven. If, if you jumped in a little late, you might be uh, a couple of days behind. That's okay. Uh, you, can, you can keep on following the challenges, even if they're a day or two behind as you're watching or as you're uh, connecting with us here in person. But for day seven, I, I want to give you three practical things that you could do. If you want to spread some hope, here are three things that you can do. And you can do one of them, you can do all three. But... I really want to encourage you that you would take some time this week and pray for someone who needs hope. That if you're part of the 21 Days Challenge, you probably already have three people you're praying for. If you're not part of the 21 Days Challenge, find three people and pray for them. Pray that you would have the opportunity to share some hope. Or or maybe you need to pick a couple more people. But, But this is a simple thing you can do. You can be praying for people who don't have hope, but specifically be praying that you would have the ability to share hope with them. That that there would be a way for you to let your hope shine. Another 
won this. So maybe if you're, if you're one of those people and you, you want to step up the challenge and you want to do something a little more difficult, tell someone. Tell someone about your hope. I shared this last series. I think it's a good thing worth sharing again as we look towards Easter. Tell someone what God's doing in your life. Tell someone what God's doing in our church. Tell someone that God loves them. I can, I can guarantee there's someone in your life who needs to hear those words. God loves you. I, I, I just, I feel like I need to tell you, God loves you. And maybe you're not going to know who that is. That's where we lean on the Holy Spirit. Say, God, who can I be telling this to this week? And then invite them. Invite someone. You can invite them into your story. You can invite them into the Easter story by bringing them in two weeks to one of our two live services or, or helping them connect with us online. But I think as, as great as it would be to have two completely full services for Easter Sunday, more powerful would be you inviting someone into your personal story. Saying, this is the hope I have. Can I help you walk through and experience hope in your life? Could we get together once a week and, and read through the Bible? We've got great Bibles out there, the immersed Bibles that work as a, as a book study. Would you be willing to go through this book study with me? It's, it's around the Bible, but it's really good. And, and we could help discover hope together. You don't know who's waiting on the other side of your faithfulness. And I'm hoping (laughs) to help us as a church realize I'm not the only dispenser of hope. Each one of you in this church who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, you are carrying the hope of Jesus in you. Let's be faithful. Let's do what the Master has asked us to do. Not because we're afraid of being caught doing the wrong thing, but because we're so excited He's coming back. We have a future hope that we can be anticipating. And if, if you want to get uh, a daily reminder, then I, I want to encourage you to sign up for our 21 Days of Hope. If you, if you haven't done it already and you sign up now, you're going to be a couple days behind. I'm just letting you know. Don't, don't, get, don't get discouraged by that. So you're going to find that the days won't line up completely uh, with the rest of us. But whether you're starting the 21-day challenge today or you're on day seven with the majority of us, that's fine. Let's all just be encouraging each other to be people of hope. That we're looking for ways to spur one another good works because he's coming back and we should be excited about it we should be the most obnoxiously hopeful people in any given room not because we're trying to be obnoxious but because we just have that much joy and not to say that you can never have a bad day but people are watching us every day we can choose to listen to what the holy spirit is saying we can choose to love and we can choose to lead with hope. Can I pray for us? I, 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 want, us, I want us to all walk out of here with some hope. So let, let me pray for us.
And actually, why don't we stand? And worship team, you can come on up and prepare for, we got one more song. We want to walk out of here rejoicing in the hope that we have in the cross. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the hope that we have in the future. Hope that was secured by the cross. And in two weeks, we recognize so much of the world is going to be focused on Easter. Focused on Good Friday. Focused on the events that happened 2,000 years ago that secured our hope. And yet even with all of that, there are many people who haven't chosen allow your love into their lives. So God, I pray this morning that as people who are designed to be carriers of that hope, that you would give us the ability to live in such a way that people would ask about the hope that we have. that we would be people who listen to the Holy Spirit, that we would be people who love in the midst of our pain, and that we would be people who lead with hope. God, I pray that there would be testimonies, that we'd be able to encourage one another by saying, I took a simple step And one of my neighbors is serving Christ now. One of my classmates has made a commitment to follow Jesus. One of the people in my neighborhood, I'm watching their life turn around because I chose to give hope. Let's be those kind of Christians as we lean into Easter. God, I pray that if there's anyone here in this room or anyone who's joining with us online or anyone who's going to come across this teaching later and they don't know you and they don't know this hope, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw them right now, that they would sense that you are calling them to a hope in Jesus. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer. You can pray this prayer out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can use my words. You can use your own. But pray something simple like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry my past mistakes I'm turning away from my old life and I'm turning after you Holy Spirit fill me help me to live the life that honors Jesus
that my life could be a life of hope. God, I thank you for new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please come find me after service. If you're here in person, if you're online, uh, send us an email or a Facebook message, or if you're on the online service, click that button that says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Because we want to make sure you have everything you need to live a life filled with hope. And for the rest of us, let's walk out of here believing this. Let's walk out of here excited with every time we see that sunshine that that might be the day. Today might be the day that Jesus is coming back for us. Let's be excited about it. Let's live in anticipation for it. Let's live lives that are so hopeful others can't help but be caught up in the wake. Let, Let me bless us. Let's sing one more song. Let's walk out of here encouraged and excited for what God's doing. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in this hour. We thank you for what you're doing through our church. And as we leave, Jesus, I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. I pray that you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And I pray that every day we would walk in your favor and in your peace. As we pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus.